Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thank you all for tuning in to Step Into Your Sunshine. This is your host, Rachel Kudran. I am the owner of Kudran's Curiosities Etsy Boutique and RC Copywriting. Today, I have a very special lady with me and I would love for her to introduce herself. Hi everyone, my name is Sue Quinney and I live in Cornwall. Um, yeah, mum of two and granny of six, which I'm extremely proud of and a bit of a warrior. We'll go with that. <laughs> Thank you for that introduction. So let's get started today. What were some of the defining moments in your life that shaped who you are? There's two that really sort of jump out for me. The first one is going back, and at the time I didn't know it was a defining moment, but it was. Um, I was pregnant um, and I was extremely poorly and I was in intensive care. And I remember feeling extremely ill and all of a sudden I was up on the ceiling looking down at me in my intensive care bed with everybody running around um, in a total panic, but I felt amazing. I was total peace, there was no pain. Um, it was actually a really beautiful feeling that I was having. And then I heard my nurse, who not only was she an intensive care nurse, she was a midwife, and she started shouting at me saying, how dare you? How do, dare you give up on your husband? Um, he loves you so much and you're just prepared to throw it all in. And I remember thinking, how dare you speak to me like that? Who the hell do you think you are? And with a snap, it, it literally seconds later, I was back in my body. The pain was all there. Um, I could feel everything. And I was back in the room. A few days later, when I was much better, um, they said to me, oh, we lost you for a while. And I thought, oh. That was a bit, all a bit weird, but I noticed that things had changed and things that I could feel and things that I could see had changed. But I kept it to myself because I thought that people would think that I'd lost the plot, to be honest. So that was one moment and I didn't give it much more thought than that. But then roll on another, ooh, maybe 20 years. Um, again, in hospital, um, I've had a, a, an acute illness for a long, long time. But I'm in hospital and my consultant is sat on the end of the bed. My husband's next to me. And he said to me, um, if you carry on like this, it's in April. If you carry on like this, you will not be with us by Christmas. Um, things have got to, to stop. Um, my husband said to me, I will support you in whatever you choose to do. You can carry on. I had a bridal shop at the time. Um, it was quite stressful. And he said to me, if you want to carry on, I support you. If you want to call it quits, I support you. Now, knowing that if I called it quits, it was going to cost us a lot of money. And I looked at him and he said, honestly, whatever decision you choose is the right decision. So I looked at his face and I thought, if anyone can give that amount of unconditional love that he's prepared to put up with hell and lose me at the end of it, you know, that, that is just like mind blowing. So I take, took the decision there and then to close my shop. I never went back into it. I remained in hospital while it was closed and he dealt with all the closure of it. 
So there I am in a great big house because I'd manifested this beautiful house, which is another completely different story. So I'm in this gorgeous house and I was bored senseless. Everybody was out at work and there I am feeling sorry for myself, um, just not knowing what to do. And a friend of mine who was driving me insane on social media saying, join my network marketing company. Oh, God, no, 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 no. You've got to try it. You've got to try it. Well, I got so bored. <laughs> she wore everyone down that I found myself saying, I don't want to try your products, but I'll sign up to your company. Um, <laughs> moment of madness, if you like. But in doing that, I surrounded myself with such positivity with women who were real sort of like go-getters you know I was just immersed in a completely different vibe and suddenly I started implementing some of the teachings we were given about positive um, thinking and mindset and I started doing it and slowly my life started changing and instead of focusing on my aches and pains and my illness, I started focusing on positive things. And that is really, that was only eight years ago um, that that happened. And wow, my life has completely turned 180 degrees. And they would be the two defining moments. Obviously, there's loads of others, but those two really have molded and shaped the way I am today. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that with us and our viewers. For me, one of the first things that stick out to me is the last thing that you said about network marketing, because I think a few of us had found us, found ourselves in that position where we were like, no, 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 I'm not interested. I'm not interested. I'm not interested. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves at doing the network marketing for whichever company. And I had a very similar experience to you where when I was still living in the US, I decided for I don't know why to sign up to this networking marketing uh, networking network marketing company. And I like you started to immerse myself within that community and among these people. I didn't know them, but they were full of positivity and uh, drive. And at the time, I was also a teacher. And so we didn't have the same type of vibe in the teaching community as you had in the network marketing community. And if I wanted to be part of the company, I was going to be required to put myself out there, to put myself in front of people, to advocate for the products, to go live and other things on social media. And all of that was absolutely terrifying for me at the beginning. I was like, I don't really know if I want to do this. But slowly, just like you, I I listened to them um, and they explained it wasn't so difficult. It was easy. You got better as time went on. And all of this stuff about mindset and drive and goals and all of these things. And for me, it was actually, it was about... Well, about eight years ago for me as well. Yeah. And it ended up becoming the foundation 
for me being an entrepreneur. Because when I put myself out there in that network marketing business, I learned all the capacities that I didn't know I had. I learned all the strengths that I wasn't aware of. I learned that I could prosper in an environment that I thought was not for me. And that mindset shift changed the the rest of my life where I was in a position to to take my own steps and make my own decisions and actually give myself the power back rather than just everybody else holds the power and I'm just like streaming along with society. It was when I was the owner of the company, I had to take that into my own hands and I had to drive myself. And that was a massive mind shift for me as well. I think, yeah, I mean, I'm no, I, I think I lasted about two years um, in the network marketing, but it really does give you a stepping stone. I think it's almost like a fast track to other businesses because you learn so much about yourself mm. and about business, and you are surrounded by, on the whole, well, from my experience anyway, really supportive women and men that are going to lift you and help you and it just gives you such self-confidence yes it can be scary because you're being pushed out of your comfort zone and we all know what that's like but if you're in business that's what it's about is getting out of your comfort zone and you know I said I think a lot of the companies do get a bad press but in all honesty I can only really, I've only really got good experiences of it. Yes, there were some people that frightened the living daylights out of me and I wouldn't have perhaps met them or they wouldn't have been in my circle. But that's good because that's stretching you and you're learning how to deal with everyone. So no, fantastic. You know, and I think you're right. I think so many women, that's how they start. You know, they find what's right for them. Um, so yeah, no, it was, it was yeah, certainly for me. A real huge turning point. I 100% agree. I think had I not had the experience with network marketing, I wouldn't have had the confidence to actually launch my business just a few months after I had started that. Yeah. And it it was really a turning moment for me and a foundation builder for the things that are now. That's it. Well, where else can you have all that information readily available at a click of a button? It's there. And you've got people that have got a wealth of experience that you can tap into and it's just handed to you. I mean, that that's amazing. That has to be celebrated. That's not a bad thing. Um, yeah, some of the sales techniques can be a bit, and this, um, you know, I think we all get fed up with it when you've not heard from anyone for like three or four years and you suddenly get a message saying, join my team or buy from me. And, you know, that's not how it's done. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I think it's one of those things that's a, that's just a learning curve. But it, yeah, no, fantastic experience. Um, I would 100% agree. I would like to ask our listeners, did you start in network marketing? Are you currently in network marketing? Did it help you just like it has helped Sue and I? Yeah, that's a really good question, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. The next thing I want to talk about that you mentioned was when you talked about your first definitive moment in your life and what you experienced during that, because I've also had one of those moments when you were, you were lying in the bed and you were looking up 
at yourself from above and you, you were feeling better and then you had that kind of conflict with the midwife of, you know, why are you doing this? And in my experience, I had experienced a severe trauma. Um, a family member had attempted suicide uh, in my life and I was completely broken down and outside bawling, pulling my hair, really falling completely apart. And I remember during that time, I was looking at myself from afar. It was like I was watching myself have a completely mental collapse. And later, when I was going through therapy to handle the situation, uh, then we talked about what it means to see yourself from above or below or outside of your body. And um, depending on where you're at, like how you view yourself, it could be um, a dissociation. You're like dissociating from yourself and so you're <coughs> watching that experience. And then how you look back at those memories or how you move forward in your life is generally in the same mindset. Like if you're, if you've disassociated during the experience, then until you have dealt with the situation, then you continually approach that situation and potentially your life in a dissociated way. Okay. So have you, did you have that experience? I know, I know that I did. I didn't, once that event happened for years, I never even wanted to think about it. Just even minutely thinking about the situation would cause me to get in, would cause me to go into tears, would cause my heart rate to increase. I would get the sweats. I, I would just, immediate tension in my body would occur. And so, and I wanted to be dissociated. I just tried to bury it over under everything else. And it wasn't until I went to therapy and really unpacked that whole experience was I able to actually deal with, handle, move on and go forward from the situation. I was wondering if you had any of those same experiences. I can't say I had any of those. So for me, I was on the ceiling, if you like, looking down at me in the bed. And obviously I'd flatlined because um, I'd gone on into cardiac arrest. So afterwards, after, you know, I, I sort of like making sense of what had, what had happened, I actually felt, I felt really calm. Um, I, I know it was no longer scared of death. It didn't, had no fear in me at all. What, and I was happy to talk about it. I had no problems telling anyone about it and how amazing I felt. But what I didn't like to tell people is that I could then, after that experience, see and connect with spirit. And that was what I felt really uncomfortable about. Because how do you explain that? So in my immediate family and friends all knew, and, you know, it was never hidden, but it's not something I would talk to other people about that weren't within my circle. Um, that took, well, I think about two years ago that I actually started saying to people, well, actually, yes, you know, I, I can see and feel. So for me, I didn't disassociate with it at all um 
it gave me a huge sense of calm. It felt that up until that point, I believed that we lived <laughs> and we died and that was it. That In my mind, that, that, that was it. It was simple. Um, obviously, that completely changed. And so even now with um, recently my mum passed, my sister passed two weeks, two, two weeks, two months ago. <coughs> it's completely changed the way I think and the way that I feel and the way that I grieve. So yeah, for me it was it was very different um experience. I think it's good for the listeners to hear that. That for us we had a similar well, we both had out of body experiences and yet they led to different things. Mm-hmm. And the juxtaposition between those experiences is important because some people are going to have that same experience as you, where they feel empowered, they feel calmer, they feel more in tune with themselves after such experience. Or they may have an experience like mine where they feel dissociated. They want nothing more than to forget the entire experience and to bury it as far as it will go. And I think it's important that people hear both of those experiences. So when and if they do have an out-of-body experience, they can say, you know, I've heard different perspectives on what could happen after this experience. Definitely. I think I think that's something that we also have to recognise that all of us will experience things in different ways and they are all okay. Whatever it is that you are going through is okay. You know, it's that whole thing of we almost like question, you know, am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? And that doesn't really exist. What we are feeling is what we are feeling. And they're all validated feelings. Um, you know, having counselling, I think, is fantastic. Talking to someone, explaining how you're feeling. Um, we need to be more comfortable with doing that, that it is okay to talk about how we feel. Because especially here in the UK, we're so good at burying that and not dealing with our feelings. And, you know, it, it's just we, we need to be reprogrammed with all of that. I find the same in the U.S. that people bury feelings or they avoid them or they come up with excuses of why they don't want to deal with them. And that sounds a little bit harsh, but if you've gone through the process, then you realize that actually I was making excuses of why I didn't handle this beforehand. And I think what you said about counseling is very important for people to hear that it's not a taboo uh, subject. It's not only weird or crazy or people go and see a therapist it's everyday people just like you and I and all of our listeners that go to therapists that need help in sorting our life experiences and that's not to say that you're weak or that you have a weakness it's just that everybody gets overwhelmed and we all have different varieties of experiences that some people the same experience might send them into a stupor, make them unable to go to work, unable to communicate with their spouses, stop them from being a good parent. Why that same experience with somebody else might just be, might be nothing. They just like, oh, that it happened in my life and I moved along. And for me, one thing 
that I learned just recently with my mother is in Oklahoma and back in the early 90s, early mid 90s, there was a bombing that uh, that was at a hospital and it killed several people, lots of children. It was right under a daycare and it shook the foundations of Oklahoma in the early to mid 90s. And my mom told me she was a nurse at the time. I always knew this. But that day, she was right next to the Murrah building. She drove in front of it just minutes before the bomb went off. And she just happened to be moved to about two or three streets over. And so she was safe. But had her life been different by 10 minutes, and my mom might not be here. And, and that was really impactful for me. But for her, she never mentioned it. It was never a thing. She she was just like, I just considered myself lucky. And while she considered herself lucky and just sort of moved on with her life, uh, other people that would have the same experience, that might be completely debilitating for them. <clears throat> yeah, I think that that's exactly it. That's why everyone's experiences are different. But going back to something you said right at the beginning of that um, question was, I've never understood how, as humans, we will get training perhaps to drive a car, to um, get qualifications, all, well, absolutely everything apart from life. When we think that we don't need help and we don't need guidance and that we should take advice from friends and family who've got no idea what they're talking about. It's, I've always found it really, really bizarre that you would go someone, it's fantastic to talk to friends and family, and we should. But when things are getting a little bit more difficult, you know, to seek someone that's going to be able to help and let us um, understand why we're feeling like that is really essential. But again, we, we see that as a weakness. And I've never quite understood how we get in our own way. Um, and it seems to be, I don't know whether or not it's just the way we're brought up or I, I really don't understand it. It's not a question that I've ever really sort of delved into. But we we need to realise, especially for our children, that talking about their feelings and talking to professionals is a really good and powerful move. And as I you said, taking your power back. Yes, I 100% agree that we have to rewrite the story that society is telling us that you look weak or that you're you have a weakness or you're unable unable to handle your emotions or you're just uh, you know why can't you be stronger that type of mentality and rewrite that story and say it's normal to need support. Yeah. It's normal for things to be overwhelming and in life and to be at certain stages in your life where you need somebody else that's a professional to help you sort through that experiences or the experiences of your upbringing. And I think it's an, that's an important notion for all of our listeners to hear is that moving forward, we want to be talking about our experiences, rewriting the stories for our children and being examples for them that it is okay to talk about our feelings. It's okay to go to therapy. It's okay to 
share our experiences with the world that we've had these experiences we're not going to be contained or caged anymore and what society tells us we should be like we're going to step into our sunshine and share our experiences our light at, with the world definitely definitely i love um when we understand that we are just like the sky as a person, we are like the sky and the clouds are our feelings that come and go. And some of those feelings are good and some of them are like black clouds and thunderous and they upset us and they knock us, but they will soon pass. Um, and understanding that and just seeing it for what it is, feeling how we feel, you know, express, you know, cry. Crying is so good. Just let it go. Sit with it. Let it go. And then get help if you need to but you will find that everything does pass in its own time but when we dwell on it and focus on it and to, to think that I used to suffer with such severe anxiety that I couldn't open the front door I couldn't pick up the phone I would literally sit on the floor in my kitchen because otherwise people would see me walking past and looking through the window because I felt so ill couldn't deal with anything in actual fact, if someone had helped me understand that those how those feelings were affecting me, I think I would have moved on a lot quicker than I did. So yeah, very important. I love your analogy about the sky and that, you know, not all clouds are white and puffy and, you know, inviting, that there's dark ones as well, and yet they still all pass. And that you know, you, through different stages in your life, you also go through different seasons of emotions. And it's important to remember that things are not permanent. And that was one of the very significant lessons I learned in therapy was that um, some of the things that my therapist helped me do, we used EMDR treatments and uh, touch treatments, uh, tapping. And it was like remembering the experience, like you're on a train. You, you're coming around, here's your experience in your mind, and then you're moving past it. And the the idea and analogy behind that was that this is, it, you're not just stuck here in this situation forever, is that this is going to pass and you're able to move past it and move forward. And I think that is something wonderful for everybody to hear and to acknowledge and that it you're not in the season forever. No, definitely not. Definitely not. The next thing I want to ask you is you mentioned lots of health problems and potentially mental struggles that you went through in conjunction with your health problems. What strategies did you use to cope with the challenges that you faced? Well, for 35 years, I didn't. I literally, I sat, I was a victim to my illness. I just sat in it. Um, I rolled from one day to the next. And then the positive thinking, that's really how, for me, how I started lifting myself out of it was when I joined the network marketing company, one of them said, oh, they told me about, um, it's called Five Minute Journal, and you were to do it every morning and every night, and it was to write three positives in the morning, um, three things that you were grateful in the evening, and something you could have done better. So I started with that. I would have it um, by my bed and I would do it every single morning. And that's 
started refocusing on the things that I had got, the things that were positive, rather than you know focusing on everything that was wrong, I started focusing on everything that was good. And that's really how it started. I then got into watching, um, I mean, it, it was so funny when I think back now, it, all my family and friends would be for goodness sake, all this positivity, you know, I change, I get people saying to me, you've changed, you've changed. But I actually started focusing on what I was feeling and what I want and how I wanted to feel. They were two very different things. I was not in alignment. So yes, I was saying I wanted to feel better, but I wasn't actually doing anything to help myself feel better. Uh, so when I started sort of looking within, actually, what is it that I want? What do I need? What is going to make me feel better today? And I started doing really, really little steps. Um, and I initially I would I forget to write in my journal and then I'd take myself back to it and start all over again. I kept remembering that someone had said to me, you need to do, to turn something into a habit, you need to do it for like, well, anywhere between 22 and 30 days um, on the go. So I would literally, every time I, I had a bad day and fell off weight, I'd go back to day one. And things started changing. Um, I've got to tell you one funny little story. So imagine I um, racked, alongside my illness, racked with rheumatoid arthritis. I couldn't move. All my joints were seized. I was walking on sticks and my consultant had said we needed to discuss about me going into a wheelchair um, because you know, movement was getting really difficult. I had um, a motability car um, because I was so, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't walk, I couldn't do anything. Well, I started to do the network marketing company I was in. I started drinking um, aloe vera. That's the company I was with. And can you believe that a year after that I'd had this conversation with my consultant, I walked into his consulting room in four inch heels without sticks and all my joints were moving. And he, I walked in and he went, what the hell's happened to you? <laughs> he was like, I don't understand it. So I said, yeah, you know, I started telling him that I was taking forever living aloe gel. And he turned around and he said to me, yes, we know it works, but we can't do any, we can't, we're not allowed to um, say that. He was like, just keep doing what you're doing. The, how I felt for being able to walk tall in hills, and feeling good about myself now don't get me wrong I did struggle you know I couldn't do that every day I still had bad days but eight years on I have no signs of rheumatoid arthritis at all in any of my joints I'd been racked with it so turning that around looking thinking positively looking at mindset um being in alignment with how I feel knowing my body that is insane and I will quickly add I no longer drink aloe vera that's another story but I'm not allowed to have it anymore um but yeah wow what a what a turn of events because I started writing three positives every morning that's really how it started for me just turning that around 
And then one thing led into another because as you start to feel better, you think, oh, what else can I do? You know, what, what, what more? And you start looking at, you look, start looking at different things and seeing things differently. Whereas before, everything I looked at, I was probably seeing exactly the same thing, but it was how I was processing that information of I can't, that's going to hurt. I, you know, um, I'm incapable of doing that because you're conditioned. You know, so yeah, that's for me. <laughs> you are such an inspiration too. That story gave me chill bumps when you were talking about it. I could just picture in my mind like you walking in these four inch heels and I'm looking at you and I can see your hands moving. And I'm just, that is amazing. That is such an incredible story. And I know that that will move so many people because whether it's rheumatoid arthritis or something different, then there's many people that feel that they can't move or that it's too much today or that they have high anxiety or stress and that that you started transforming your life just by journaling is also incredible. And for me, I've experienced when I wrote three grateful things at the end of every day, it really transformed how I viewed the day because I was looking for then my focus was on what am I grateful for today rather than what's going wrong or what's the problems or I'm feeling this or I'm feeling that it was sort of my emphasis was then on what am I feeling grateful for? And I that transformed how I approached the day, how I interacted with my husband, how I interacted with my child. And I definitely believe that journaling has a lot of power. I also want to indicate for everybody the power of your mind. Like for you, the power of the things that you were saying to yourself before and after had a massive transformation on what your body was actually able to do. And the power of your thoughts, just that if you start putting new things into your mind and you start telling yourself new things, then your body, in my opinion, rises to the occasion definitely definitely with you saying that I've got another little story which is very it's just happening at the moment so a couple of weeks ago I took up yoga now my body does not move right it it, I'm you know I am overweight I'm dealing with that um I feel good in myself but I'm not flexible at all I also have a stoma due to my illness I wear a bag and in I've had my stoma bag now for seven years and in that time I've had five should we say malfunctions let's go with five malfunctions in seven years which is amazing so last week after my yoga class I had six malfunctions in one week okay and if I'd gone back to Sue of seven years ago that would have completely floored me. Yeah, it's not nice. It's embarrassing. It's difficult. Blah, blah, blah. I can I can give you 101 reasons. And everything would have been stop the yoga. Stop doing it. You know, it's not meant for your body. It's putting too much strain on your body. I, You know, I am struggling. I'm with um, people that are 17, 18, 19, that, you know, bend in amazing ways. and 
I'm I'm learning, but I'm not in competition with them. I'm in competition with myself. So I look and I think seven years ago, I wouldn't have even been able to get on a map, let alone do what I'm doing. And yeah, I've had lots of mishaps. But wow, aren't I lucky? Because the way my I couldn't have done that before. Yeah, without my stoma, I wouldn't have been able to spend time on a yoga mat. So it's all about turning it around. So, you know, people aren't, if you don't say to people, yes, I am still experiencing issues, but they, that's all it is. It's just, you know, it's a blip. I can deal with it. Um, I can laugh about it. I said to my, um, and I apologise if this embarrasses or makes anyone feel uncomfortable, but I actually said to my yoga teacher afterwards, he said to me, you know, how are you doing? I said, yeah, I'm I'm trying, you know, there's a few moves I can't do, but I'm working on it. I said to him, but I can do one thing that you can't do. And he was like, um, and what's that? I said, I apologise for this. I said, I can actually poo while I'm doing yoga, and that's something you'll never be able to do. <laughs> and he, he, he laughed. He said, he was like, you are so right. <laughs> no, I couldn't. I said, so, yeah, just bear that in mind. That you know, when I move in my body, for me, it's it's moving in ways it's never moved before, and yeah, it's setting its challenges. But my gosh, I love challenges now, whereas before, every challenge would have been you know a fifteen foot wall and one that I wasn't prepared to climb. Whereas now I think, ah, oh, fifteen foot wall, how are we going to smash this down? So yeah, mindset is everything, absolutely. It all starts and ends in the mind. Wow. I just, I, I want to be like your cheerleader on the side. Go Sue, go Sue. I think that is amazing. And you sharing that with us and the positivity of your mindset and that even though you have challenges and obstacles, you say, this isn't going to hold me down today. No, that's it. You know, and, and I, I think it's really important to say that, you know, I still have bad days and many people that are in my position still have bad days but the difference is now you see it for what it is you know it is a bad day it may be a bad hour it may be um challenging at this particular time but that doesn't define my whole life before it did you know it did define my illness defined me um and I always I sort of I it always makes my heart bleed a little when I see people who have got um, long-term illness and the way they speak and refer to it. Because if you say, I've got this, I'm feeling, I'm feeling pain, I'm feeling whatever it is, you're actually drawing that in. You know, law of attraction means that you are going to be feeling even worse. And that's something that I used to do. Um, and it does, you know, realizing that actually said you know my illness is still there you know I still have to have regular bloods um but I the way I, I deal with it now is so very very different and mindset is my first port of call not medication I was on I had fentanyl patches I was on the highest dose that you could have and one of my doctors said to me one day and this really hit home he said to me, if you were involved in a car accident, we could not give you pain relief. He said, because you are on the maximum 
And I remember thinking, oh, my gosh. Yeah, that hit me. And I was like, what am I going to do? Because, again, in, in, in society, what happens, and I totally get it, and I'm not dissing anyone that's in that position, but your pain increases. You give them pain relief, and your body adjusts to it, so they up it again, and then your body adjusts. And before you know it, you're on full doses, and you're stuck. Um, and that was a huge one for me in that looking at myself and going, okay, I have got to take some responsibility for this. How am I going to cope with my pain? I don't take anything at all now. Um, absolutely nothing. Even I'll take paracetamol if I've got a cold, but I won't even take it for a headache. I take other things. And it's understand, understanding how your body works. That's why we have to take some of the responsibility for our bodies and not run to doctors who, don't get me wrong, fantastic i owe them my life on many occasions but they don't know everything and we have to take some of that responsibility we got my soapbox <laughs> i could not agree more i think it's incredibly powerful when you take that power back when you take that responsibility back and you know and say i have to do something different to protect my body, to protect my mind, to protect my illness, uh, you know, to protect my children, my future. I have, I have to be involved. And um, I'm right now. I'm reading the book called the uh, The Body Keeps the Score. And I don't know if you've ever heard about it, but uh, basically, it's about trauma. And so it's this doctor that has extensively studied trauma and in children, adolescents, adults. And one of the ideas that come from the book is just this, is that people, trauma manifests itself in different ways, whether that's physical pain, depression, anxiety, um, all of these types of things. And when people give all of the power to the doctors, like I, I can't control this, I have incontrollable anxiety and they give all the powers to the doctors and the doctors say, well, you need to be on anxiety meds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They believe that the only way for them to handle it is by taking those meds. And just like you said, and the body builds up resistance and then you have to take more and more and so on and so forth. And yet one of his ideas in the book is just this, is that it's incredibly important that the patient plays a role in their own recovery and that they take that power and they know that they're capable of changing their lives and their lifestyles. And it, it goes much more into depth than all other types of things. I'd highly recommend the book, but that same mentality that you have to take a part in regaining your power is really, really important. I think looking at what it is that you're consuming um you know nutritionally so for I said I, I go back to 35 years 35 years I was on the white food diet which meant that I didn't have fruit or vegetables and when I had them I was extremely ill so that sort of like reinforced that you know you can't have them but in actual fact now I have probably more fruit and veg than anything else and it doesn't upset me but obviously it's giving me the nutrition that my body needs, knowing what you put on your skin. I, I 
I should always sort of like ribbon my daughter. Um, you know, she's um, a mum with three little ones and money's tight and I get that. And she'll say, oh, I've gone to the pound shop or whatever and I bought this, that and the other. And I'm like, I would rather you didn't because do you know what you're putting on your skin? Are you looking at the chemicals? When I explained to her about the stuff that, you know, skin being your biggest organ and what you put on it and what you um, consume in the rooms and all the rest of it. And I explained it to her. She was like, oh, my gosh, I'd never thought about that before. And I'm like, well, that's it. We're, we're filling ourselves up with chemicals, feeling ill, and then we go to the doctor who prescribes us more drugs with more chemicals in, and <laughs> we go on this downward spiral. But no one explains that to us. That that's what we're doing so when you turn that around and start you know being careful what you're consuming and what you're using on your body again you start taking the power back exactly uh, that is very very important the knowledge that what you put on your skin what you inhale and uh, you know the products that you use your shampoos the, the cleaning products you use in your houses, yep. things that you diffuse, uh, candles, all of that kind of stuff. You need to understand what's in it. And that is the first step in taking back your own power and taking back your role in your own health. Exactly. But we yes. need to be educating people more in that rather than making us all run. <laughs> you know, like we, we run to the doctor, don't we, because we're not feeling well. And I mean, e even down to... Um, I was a chocoholic for years. I can't bear the stuff now. I can't. I, it really makes me feel quite poorly. But I remember when I was a child, my dad, if I was ill, would give me chocolate as a pick me up. I remember going to the dentist once to have a, a tooth taken out. This is how bad it is. And on the way home, we stopped at the sweet shop and he brought me a chocolate bar. I'd just been to the dentist to have a tooth out. You know, for him, there used to be many years ago a chocolate bar and it had um, like a teddy pears picnic scene on the outside. Mm -hmm. So he would buy me this chocolate bar and he would hold my hand and we would almost, we wouldn't skip, but we would walk down the road and he'd be singing to me, um, um, today's the day the teddy bears had a picnic. And he'd be giving me this bar of chocolate, but that obviously then reinforces that when you're feeling poorly, you want chocolate. Yes. It, you know, it's all these things. It's just. Yeah, understanding how our body works and being a bit more clued up on what we're doing. Yes, more aware. Absolutely. To to finish this episode off today, because we've talked about such important topics and for our listeners, I would love to hear your thoughts on uh, what we talked about. Have you had similar experiences? And um, do you have additional experiences that you would like to share with us? And for Sue today, the last question is, what advice would you give to someone who is trying to find their path in life? I would say, listen. Um, so to be quiet, to meditate. Um, I I'm, I'm meditate every day to actually hear what my, what I want. Because I think we get easily get dragged into what we think we should be doing as to as opposed to what we what our soul needs so I'm a healer so I'm an intuitive healer so for me spending time 
with people and understanding what it is that they need and then getting them to realign and reconnect because as we we often go down the path here we become we're a wife we're a mum we work in a job just to pay the bills and we lose our spark so we need to reignite that so by looking within spending some time having all the feels how does that make you feel what excites you what makes you want to jump up um in the morning and go to work i mean i work nine seven days a week but it's not work i love what i do um and i think that's so important that we discover and the only way we discover what we want is by being quiet and looking within feeling it so i'd say to anyone you know if you can't um or you you don't like to like meditate how we would think of it then just go for a stroll in the in the woods just be on your own don't even take the dog just go on your own and just be in your thoughts be present and ask yourself the questions what makes me happy what do i love to do and then when you start understanding that you can then put start putting things in practice to bring that together so you know you may have to retrain you may have to learn new skills um, you may have to take a risk, but I strongly believe that when you jump, the universe catches you. So I would just say, be quiet, decide what it is you want to do, and then just do it. Thank you. That is brilliant advice. And I love the part where you said, I believe when... Ed when you jump, the universe catches you. I think that is very true. And I also align with that statement. And I think many other entrepreneurs and women and men in their lives will agree that if you just jump and, you, and you're ready, then the universe will catch you and teach you what you need to know and guide you in the direction of where you need to be to make those things happen. Definitely, definitely. Because when you come to the end of life, and you're left with your thoughts, as I said, I've been there many times before. It's not about what you own. It's not about, you know, what car you've got, where you live. It's not about, you know, how many amazing pairs of shoes you've got in your cupboard. Believe me, I like good shoes. Not that I ever wear them, I just look at them. Um, it's about your relationships and how you love. And so that's why it's so important that you align yourself with what brings you happiness and joy and what you get a kick out of and what you love to do as opposed to you know doing a job that's giving you all the money but it's of no use to you when you're not here so feed your soul yes feed your soul i love that so much Sue, I want to thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your wisdom, your experience and inspiration with all of us. I know that I am feeling inspired and empowered after this conversation, and I know that our listeners will as well. I would love for you to share with all of us how we can get in contact with you. How can we get connected with you? Um, so the best way to get hold of me is actually on Facebook. I'm not very good at Instagram. And you can find me, um, my personal page is just Sue Quinney or From a Place of Love. That's my um, business name, if you like. So I have a, a group of amazing people. And um, I have a page as well, but I'm not so good at the page. I, I believe in living in the moment. So, um, yeah, but come find me. Love to meet you all. And thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure.
For all those that are listening, we have episodes every Monday and Thursday at 8 p.m. UTC time, 7 p.m. GMT time, and 1 p.m. U.S. Central Standard time. I can't wait for you guys to tune in next time, and I will see you soon.